Hello, hello, and hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode. If not now, when I am super, super excited for today's special guest, Deepak Sudhar. Wow, what a beautiful name! And first and foremost, let me tell you more about Deepak. He is a serious entrepreneur with twelve startups over twenty-five years. Oh my goodness! He's also a mentor. Incredible speaker in business and marketing. He is super passionate about teaching enable business、uh, business owner to become what business operator to become the business owner. Business owner is the goal. He is a proud business owner of Austin Strong Austin, as well as the founder of GodFollowUp.com. With everybody, I am super super excited. Thank you so much, Deepak, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, Wen. Oh, you are amazing. Thank you for that beautiful introduction, and thank you. I'm honored to be here,、uh, to be one of your guests. I've listened to several of your、uh, previous shows, and、uh, I'm just I'm honored to be here, and can't wait to serve you and your audience. Yeah, well, we are super excited, Deepak. So. Let's dive in. Tell us more about you. Like, how does your journey begin? Man, so my journey, like, so I'll just keep this from like an entrepreneurial、uh, standpoint, if that's okay.、Um, and it all started like when I was a kid. My mom actually was always like had this entrepreneurial spirit. She had done so many different things, like MLM stuff. Like she was selling new skin stuff. She did real estate, and then she ended up selling cars. So she always had this mentality of one: what's one thing I can do that's new? And the other thing was, is she always had this heart to serve. Like everything that she did, she like she wanted to create that relationship first、mm-hmm. before she turned into service. And then she ended up becoming like one of the most amazing salespeople. On the East Coast, selling cars for Lexus, like she was winning awards all over the place because she always led with heart. She always、mm-hmm. led with service. It wasn't just about the money; it was about serving first, and then the money will come after. So my whole, you know, when I grew up, I kind of grew up in, with that mindset of connect first. Be somebody who cares about others, regardless of who they are, where they came from, how much money they have, what car they're driving. Like none of that matters. Just serve, and it will come back tenfold. And I know that sounds cliche, but that's it's just so true. And like that's how I live my life. I connect with other people, beautiful people like yourself. And I want to serve, and I have just grown up in that environment of I love people, and I also like to take risks. So, like both of those two things coupled, you know, it may seem kind of like not the same path, but I think that's what kind of gives me an edge. Where I love to take risks, I love adrenaline type things. Right, you know, I love riding motorcycles, surfing, skydiving, racing cars—like all of these things. I love to do, but I also love to connect with people. So I kind of have, 
you know, the crazy side of me and then the loving side of me. But then that's what I'm putting together at, with my new company, Got Follow Up, is to deliver not only the technology, but also the care and empathy to help people actually succeed. So that's that's kind of a kind of a, a big overview. Uh, how's that? How's that for a start? I did not know you, mom, is this killer saleswoman, sales businesswoman, and of course, lead with the heart. Not surprised, you know, given it's your mom, but wow, that's incredible. And I'm curious, Dipa, grew up in that environment, seeing your mom succeeding and really leaving, you know, the heart with the business and really, you know, being this incredible role model for you, I imagine. Do you always knew that in you that you're going to become a businessman one day as well? Is entrepreneur entrepreneurship or start a business is that always in your heart and when do you know you know i would love to say the answer to that is yes but the answer to that is absolutely not so i got out of college like i I went through i went to ut Mm -hmm. and i went there for a couple of years and i left ut my junior year to join my first startup company and that first startup company was a company called supportkids.com and I was I was a young kid. Uh, I think I was making like eight dollars an hour as a tech support person, and I just needed money because I like to have fun, and I wasn't getting any money anywhere else. I'm like, I just need a job. So then I joined this company, and then I I had a mentor there. His name is David, and he started teaching me all of these things about technology that didn't even exist in school. I was like, wow, this is really interesting stuff. And I just kept learning and learning. And that company, I didn't know it at the time, but it had an incredible impact on me. Mm. And the reason why is because their mission was to get mothers who haven't had child support payments money that they haven't seen in 30 years plus. So it was a private company that supported the government to help get these these mothers, these single mothers in most cases, uh, money that they've never seen, that they've been owed for over 30 years. And we were able to collect and deliver that to the moms. And it was just such a service-based organization. And again, I'm like 20-something years old, and I'm like, I don't know why I like this, this place, but I like it. Mm-hmm. But later on, like as I started to learn more about you now who I was, who I was meant to be, and that I needed to serve, mm-hmm. it all made sense. I loved that company, not because of the money that I made, mm-hmm. but because of the impact that I was having on other people. At the time, you you said that you were twenty something years old. You you barely know the world. You're part of this UT, and how do you first of all having the courage? To say, you know what, I'm done here. I'm going to join something that's actually very interesting and fun. And secondly, you know, the job you describe is, you know, it's fascinating. But imagine it's not that much appealing to a 19, 20 years old single <laughs> man. Right? I, how does that connect? How does that come together? How do you thought through that choice? And how do you make that choice? Yeah. So there, I mean, there's a couple of questions in there. So the first thing is like, how do you leave school, and especially in a culture like yeah. in, you know this, like in an Asian culture, school and education is everything, right? Mm-hmm. And and you'll learn this about me. Uh, I am against all of the social norms, 
when they don't make sense. So in this case, my justification was, is, hey, I'm learning a skill that's incredibly valuable that isn't being offered at school. And I really love doing it. So why not explore this? Because people live their entire lives trying to get opportunities like this. And one just landed in my lap. And I remember, like, I I told my mom and my dad, I'm like, hey, yeah, I think, uh," you know, first I said, I'm going to do both. I'm going to go to school and I'm going to work because I want to make some money. And then it got to the point where I was learning so much, learning so much. And they're like, hey, we'd love to have you full time, like not, not part time. And then I'm like, well, you know, I don't know, school, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, what, what, what do you need? Like, we'll pay for your school. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that was, that's a great deal. Pay for my school and I get paid to work. So I did that for a couple of months, but then I just started diving into, like I started doing uh, learning at home on things that again, weren't available in school. I started buying books. And I started learning more and more and more. And I'm like, you know, this, I'm just going to put school on hold because like, this isn't, this isn't helping me here. And I see a path of where we are now and like where technology is going to go. And I need to be here. So then I ended up telling them, I'm like, Hey, you know, mom, dad, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to school anymore. And they're like, okay, well, we're not going to pay for anything anymore. I'm like, well, okay, that's fine. Because now I'm actually making money. I, I have a full-time job. And that was the beginning. That was my, my first kind of jump into the unknown, if you will. Mm-hmm. But it just really had to do with, I had this opportunity staring at me in the face and I knew I just needed, I needed to do it. And what I was doing in school, it just, it wasn't furthering what I wanted at that time. Do you always this bold? I felt you almost felt there's something that in your heart pulling you forward, even though it's not fitting what conventional suggestion is or your culture or your family, but yet you follow that that voice authentically, which is you know very a beautiful, a beautiful characteristic. Not anyone can do that. Do you always like that, Tupac? I try to be. I, I'll never say that I'm always like anything, but anything that um so when we talk about social norms, right? So there's this, in, in our culture, there is a path for almost every kid when I was growing up. It was, you go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get good grades, you get a job, and then that's it. That's your path. I didn't want that to be my path. Like when I was growing up, I was just I just wanted to have fun. And so I went to school, I went to high school, I had fun. I did very poorly in high school. Like I did terrible. The only reason I got into college, I got into UT, was I was chasing a girl. I wasn't even planning on going to school. But at the time, that girl was going to UT. And I'm like, okay, I guess I got to get into UT. So then I did really well on my SATs. And that's the only way I got in. It wasn't because of my GPA. And then I went to school at UT and I'm like, hey, I just, I want to have fun. I want to grow. I want to learn. 
But the things that you start to learn, like you start picking your classes, I'm like, why do I need to know this? Like, I'm I'm never going to use chemistry two ever in my life. Like, why do why do I need to do this? And that kind of got me started. Um, I didn't know this at the time, but like, if I think about where I am today in terms of like thinking about education, mm-hmm. I value education and growth more than almost anything on the planet. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's super super important to me. But there's these traditional institutions of learning that I think are more businesses than they are serving students. And when I think about that, I'm like, you know, four years in school, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, I think, but four years in school versus four years diving into a career, depending on what you want to do, there may be an alternate path for you. And there was for me, and it wasn't going and getting this degree, a piece of paper to show it around say, Hey, yeah, I got this degree. Instead, I got four years of in-depth experience in a technology that was booming. And I got all these different technical certifications at the same time. And that's what really allowed me propel was the actual experience, mm-hmm. not just knowledge, right? Because we know that knowledge is worthless without action. So when you yeah. turn that knowledge into action, what's that called? It's called experience. So Deepak, yeah. tell us, you know, let's bring your bachelor journey now you left school. Now you really dive into you know this this something that is your first job, but you learn so much. You have an incredible mentor. You're serving. So tell us from there. What happened from there? So from there, it was just on this path of growth, mm-hmm. and I was blessed to be supported by many different mentors at my first company. Mm-hmm. And there was you know my very first manager. He was an incredible human and he taught me. And I think this is a, for anybody listening to this, that's kind of on this path. If you don't have a mentor or a boss that is teaching you on how to get better, that is teaching you on how to be better than they are, find another job. Mm. And I was just, I was so lucky that the people that were mentoring me, they were always trying to pull me up to do better, to be better. They would never try to, they, like there was never an ego or a significance thing about them. Like they were never trying to keep me underneath them. They're just like, yeah, here, grow, here, grow, here, grow. Mm-hmm. And from there, you know, I decided to go into another startup company. And I went into another one. And like, I kept looking for these mentors that helped me grow to the next level. And some of the companies I was at was for very short because that mentor didn't exist. If you don't love who you report to, find another job. Mm. So that was the beginning of the journey. And that was like the beginning of my mindset of, I got super lucky on my first real career and I had beautiful people that were helping me grow. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept looking for that every startup. Come, and then I joined another one. I joined another one. I started one. I started one. I joined another one and I just kept growing. I kept looking for these mentors 
And a lot of the supervisors that I've had over the past 25 years, I still communicate with. Incredible. Yeah, because they're, you know, I, I thank them. I'm so grateful that they were a part of my life and that they were willing to, to lend, reach out a hand and lift me up. So at this point, Deepak, you move from one to another, you know, follow so many incredible mentors, angels, help you to grow and you learn so much. So tell us at what point you realize you want to be an entrepreneur, you want to be the mentor and angel for others. What does that moment come about? I think it's it kind of happened on and off throughout the, the 25 years because it's like after your first couple of companies, you, you kind of get this idea in your head. You're like, you know, I'm making other people rich. <laughs> like, how do I do this for me? So you kind of have these 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 thoughts of, okay, well, what can I do? What can I start? And the first thing that I did on my own was I started a consulting company mm-hmm. because I had this vast area of knowledge regarding not only technology, but operations and how you know, technology enables any company, mm-hmm. not just any specific company, but just because every company needs technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just such an interesting path when you start understanding that what you're doing at one company can be applied to the next. You don't really understand it until you do it. And when I did my first consulting company, I'm like, hey, you know, I can get a bunch of clients. It'll be easy. So then I got a bunch of clients, but there were short-term projects. And I'm like, okay. This is actually really hard because there's a skill that's required in starting a business that I didn't have at the time, which is sales and marketing. Mm. Those are two big gaps I had in my knowledge because I was never exposed to it. And that was many, many moons ago. And I think when you start to understand that, hey, I love the risk of being an entrepreneur. I love doing things on on my own and working with a team that you get to direct. You quickly understand every aspect of business and you quickly understand where your gaps are. And like I said, my biggest gaps were sales and marketing. Mm-hmm. So then I went back into another startup company that somebody else started. And then I learned. I learned more and more. And the, the beautiful part about being in, in tech in a startup company is that you get to interface with every single department Mm -hmm. and you get to understand how they run that department because you're using technology to enable that department to run even better. Mm -hmm. So then I really started focusing on, okay, how do these brilliant marketing people do it? Like, what are they doing? And then I just started breaking down kind of all of the steps that they took. You know, you, you turn them into role models. And again, I was lucky to be a part of, you know, some really incredible companies that had incredible salespeople, incredible marketing people. Mm-hmm. So I just kept absorbing and absorbing and absorbing. So the, the jump off point was other people are getting rich based on what I'm doing for them. How do I do that for myself? And then I took that first leap. And then I climbed back to the boat. I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. 
what do I need? What do I need? So it's like self-identification of where are my gaps? And then it's just kind of that back and forth process, back and forth process up until we got to today. So now I've kind of done that back and forth to where now I'm going full force on being an entrepreneur. So I don't think I'll, at this point, I'll never say never, but I don't think I'll be part of another, you know, large corporate enterprise. First of all, I want to say, you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of courage and, you know, I imagine somebody who, you know, you mentioned like a couple back and forth before you got to this point, but at that moment you realize maybe you have some short or blind side about blind spot about marketing or advertising or whatever that piece is for you. And you recognizing that and you say, you know what, I'm going to learn that skill in a different business before I come back to that. Having that courage to admit that, acknowledging that, and you have this beautiful consulting business you're building at the time. Um, that's cool, but did not work fully. I'm going to go back to learn. That takes a lot of courage and humble and humanity. Is that, was that just so natural for you? How do you able to just pivot, not take it personally and decide that as a path before you come back? That's a beautiful pivot. Yeah, thank you. It's a, uh, it does, it does not come naturally at all. And it's also <laughs> kind of with it today. It's, it's kind of like one of those things, like when you're driving somewhere and you're like, Hey, I'm going to take this shortcut. And then the shortcut turns out to be a long cut and then you realize it and you're like, okay, well, I'm already halfway through the shortcut. I know it'll be faster if I turn around and take the regular road, but then you just keep going forward anyway. So it's just it's one of those things that I think are innate in, in a lot of kind of people that push really hard is that they hate to backtrack. Like nobody, like people think that even though you took the shortcut and it's, it's going to be a long cut, it's not the shortcut. But people hate to backtrack. They don't want to go back and admit that they're wrong to go and then go back the other path. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, I don't know when this happened, probably early on, but there was a point to where I started getting this in my head of, I don't really care about what other people think. Right? It's like, if, if it serves me, or my family, or the people that I love, I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do, regardless of what other people think. And I think that's one thing that, you know, I'm not perfect in at all, but I really try to stay true to, hey, I'm going to do it if it's number one, it it's the right thing to do, and it serves me. Mm-hmm. And that allows me to say, hey, look, we've gone down this road. It's the wrong road. Stop, turn around, go back. It's okay to backtrack. And you've heard this before, right? Sometimes you have to take two steps back to take five steps forward. Mm-hmm. But I was so, and, and again, I still do this. I still get stuck on, okay, well, you know, we're already halfway down this path. Why don't we just finish it? Mm-hmm. You know, the whole sunk cost thing. Right. It's a it's a fallacy. Mm-hmm. If it's a sunk cost, stop. Stop doing it. Turn around. <laughs> Come up with a new strategy. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is not working. So I, I constantly have to tell myself that. Um, but yeah, it's it's not something I was born with by any chance. 
I think that you know having that courage, having that humility, and truly looking at things as it is, not better than this, neither worse than this, and actually as it is, and then reset, make a new new decision. Maybe it's a new strategy or pivot, you know, turn around or whatever decide you need to do, and actually looking at as it is, and then move forward. I think that is one of your superpower that enable you to become who you are today and not take things personally, not worry about what people think and actually do what works best for you and your family at the moment. So I think that's incredible and admirable. So let's talk about today, Deepak. T- tell me about today. I know um, you have a lot going on, whether, whether it's got follow-up or osteotrom asking. So tell us more about today. What does that look like for you? So from a professional standpoint, I've got two focuses. Uh, one is Strong Austin, and the other is a software company that, <laughs> oddly enough, like now that we're having this conversation, is based on sales and marketing. So I created a company based on sales and marketing, which was one of the biggest gaps that I had mm-hmm. when I first started. Uh, so I never really put those two together. So thank you for, for kind of connecting these dots for me. Isn't that beautiful that you said that was your blind spot and now almost become your superpower? Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's super duper interesting to me that now that, that you've helped me connect those dots. Um, <laughs> Because I, I think uh, a lot of folks, you know, that want to be entrepreneurs, that want to join a startup company, uh, I believe my hallucination is that they start out as artists, right? They start out as, hey, I'm really good at this one thing, and I want to turn this into a business. Mm-hmm. And or I'm really passionate about this one thing. And I'm going to turn this into a successful business. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is like I found out when I first jumped into entrepreneurship is most people don't understand that there are blind spots. They're like, Hey, I'm really good at what I do. So therefore I'm going to make a lot of money, (laughs) but that's not how businesses work, right? Businesses are multifaceted. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to look at it holistically from not just your skill, but you also have to understand where your gaps are. You have to understand what makes a successful business. Mm-hmm. And I've learned a ton over the past 25 years. And then in just the last five years, I've done a ton of personal development in the realm of, you know, Tony Robbins, Keith Cunningham, you know, these folks have taught me an incredible amount about business and looking at it from not your seat, but looking at it from somebody else's seat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the way that you can find these blind spots. So today, this, uh, one of the first things that I wanted to do when I got out of um, the corporate world was I wanted to do something that was going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And that first business that I launched was Austin Strong Austin. Mm-hmm. So this is a company, it's a franchise that helps transform people's lives. It actually helps save people's lives because it solves a deadly disease called osteoporosis. And osteoporosis is 
is deadlier than breast cancer, mm. but nobody's talking about it. So I ran into this at a seminar. I met the folks, the inventor of this equipment, and he uh, he started telling me about these machines. He's like, yeah, I developed this stuff to save my mom's life. And I'm like, okay, you've got my ear. You know, I'm a mama's boy, so tell me more. And he starts telling me about, hey, you know, osteoporosis, this happens to many, 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 many people. They don't really know it until it's too late. Everybody starts losing bone density after the age of 30. And he's like, now my mom is, I guess at this point, almost 84, 83 years old. Mm -hmm. And she's got the bone density of a 30-year-old woman. Mm. And that's remarkable. Wow. So I'm like, hey, you know, my mom has osteopenia. She has fibromyalgia. She has all of these different ailments. And he's like, yeah, OsteoStrong takes care of all of those things. It helps fix the root problems of all of those things. So you can live life on your terms. And I'm like, that's really interesting. And then he's like, yeah, and it, you only need to do it once a week. And it takes about 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, now this sounds like complete snake oil. I don't quite believe it, but I wanted to believe it. So then I started doing research. Then I I started diving into the research that they provided. Three months later, I'm convinced because not only dove in the research, but I started talking to other owners. I started to talking to members that were there for two, three years. Mm -hmm. And that's when I launched that company. Mm. So I got out of tech and I went into a retail wellness center, which seems crazy, but I was burnt out. I just, I didn't want to do tech anymore. I'd been doing it for 25 years. I've been, I was at the top of my game. Mm. I was making more money than I've ever made before, mm. but I didn't want, I was getting burnt out. Mm. So then I opened OsteoStrong up to help people, to serve people. Because back to when the the beginning of this conversation, I thought about what was one of the, the best jobs that I ever had? What did I, what did I love about it? And it was supportkids.com mm. because of the mission, because of the impact that they were having. Mm-hmm. And then I've replicated what happened in that company. I'm doing that now with Austin Strong which is amazing because I have helped thousands of people live better, fuller lives without pain, mm-hmm. which has just been amazing. So that, that is my passion mm-hmm. is serving people. And with my other company got follow-up, I get to have fun because now I've took everything that I learned over the past three years at Austria strong and using my technology operations experience, I've combined it mm-hmm. with the sales and marketing, and I created Got Follow Up. So, Got Follow Up is solving this problem of hey, everybody knows that you should consistently follow up with your prospects, with your members, with your partners, but nobody ever does it. Mm-hmm. They keep spending more money on Google ads. They keep spending more money on Facebook ads. They keep spending more money on advertising Mm -hmm. when they're sitting on a mountain of people that they've already connected with Mm -hmm. that already know who you are, that already trust you. 
So why aren't you continuing to call them, to email them, to text them, to send them video texts? Mm-hmm. Why, why isn't that happening? It's because the resources don't exist, especially in companies that are like, you know, between 300 and half a million in revenue and above, mm-hmm. they don't have a team to be able to call these people to do that follow-up. Mm-hmm. And we were running into the same issue at Austria Strong. So I built this to solve my problem first. Mm-hmm. And for all your entrepreneurs out there that are listening to this, I built this to solve a specific problem that I had. So if you're thinking about building something, make sure you're building something that solves a problem that people have, even if it's yourself. So I started with me. So I I eat my own dog food. So everything that I've built, we've automated the entire follow-up process. Mm. So it makes it simple for smaller companies that don't have a sales and marketing team to consistently follow up with people to create new sales appointments. So that was the whole gist of how got follow up got put together. Mm-hmm. And now that company is starting to take off. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the beautiful part about it is that I keep getting text messages and Facebook messages from my clients and they're like, Hey, just wanted to tell you, uh, I got six new sales this last week and thank you so much for the service that you're providing. And it's like, I love those messages because one, I didn't ask for it. I should be asking for it, but I didn't ask for it because I'm, I'm serving right now. I'm like, I, I want to serve and it's working. And they're just so grateful that I get these messages and that makes me feel even better. Like it just lights a fire underneath me to like continue to deliver. And I just, I love it. So tell us more. Now you get everyone so excited. Tell us more about Golf Follow Up. Who is that for? What function, what services do you provide? Is it for only business owner or how do you articulate that? Yeah, so the the simplest way that we articulate it is is that we've developed this software primarily for service-based businesses that are appointment-based. So if you are a law firm, if you are an accounting firm, if you do mortgages, if you are a uh, broker, if you run a wellness center, a dentist, a doctor, if you do any type of service that is based on appointments, this solution, what we do is we tailor the software based on your business process. So we, most people do it the other way around. Like they go and they find a solution online and then they change their business process to fit the software. Mm-hmm. I think that's a broken model. Software is so agile today that you should be bending the software to fit your process, mm-hmm. not bending your process to fit the software. Mm-hmm. And we're able to do that inside of a week. So while people are spending, you know, six figures on uh, like Salesforce implementations, we can do it at like a 10th of the cost mm-hmm. in a fraction of the time. Wow, Deepak, first of all, thank you. 
for that full heart, that beautiful passion, and that's beautiful, beautiful service mind leadership, which I really, really adore. And now, you know, I'm curious, back to you, Deepak, now, you know, 20 years making 12 startups and many, many up and downs. I'm curious, today, what's your definition of success? And do you think you are successful with that? I think my definition of success is just happiness. I think anybody, regardless of, again, where you live, how much you make, what things and stuff you have, Mm -hmm. if you don't have this mindset of, I'm grateful for everything I have, Mm -hmm. you can always be happy. You can always be grateful because there's always somebody else that would kill to be in your shoes. There's always somebody else. So for me, what does success look like is I'm always in that grateful state. Like that's for me, that's true success because I have a hundred percent control over that. Speaking about gratitude and grateful, I think it's so beautiful, but you know, oftentimes I think people probably think, well, it's easy for you to say you, you know, you get everything right now. Life is so beautiful. But what about those moments when maybe things are not as beautiful, maybe things are not as perfect? How would you still remain that state? Do you have a moment of time where things are so hard, things are so challenging? And how do you still able to, you know, kind of pivot and really take a step back and really looking at um, and life still with a gratitude mind? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So experience and wisdom. In the beginning, when you run into these situations, even when you're a kid, right? And these are things that like I tried to institute uh, this knowledge transfer to my kids is that when you run into something that is an incredibly difficult situation, you have to look at the bright side. You have to find the silver lining. You have to find the meaning. Mm-hmm. You have to, and as Tony would say, you have to, like, life is happening for you, not to you. So what what is happening for you? It's another way of finding the silver lining. Mm-hmm. So there's always something there. So do I get in moments of, yeah, dropping F-bombs and just swearing all over the place? Yeah, <laughs> of course. But I think the key is, is that I don't I don't live there. Mm-hmm. Like I'll have that moment and then I'll drop back into a resourcefulness state of, okay, mm-hmm. what do I need to do? What needs to happen right now? Because no matter what situation you are in, regardless of how bad it is, mm-hmm. it could be 10 times worse. I'm curious, you know, if you will go back time, do you have a piece of advice or biggest thing that you wish you self know when you were 20 or 25, 30 years old? Yeah. And it's not, I would go back even further than that, which is kind of like my mission, you know, in the future, which is I want to shift uh, what education looks like for kids. Mm-hmm. So do I have, uh, <laughs> do I have insight for my 25 year old self? Absolutely. But I think it's late. I think the insight needs to start around 10 to 12 years old. Wow. And I think these insights are, you know, I think the biggest thing that 
holds people back, me included, is what we call identity. And identity is formed at such an early age that, and it, and it can be triggered on like some random person making one sentence <laughs> that can change your life when you're 10 years old. Mm. Like, Hey, uh, yeah, you're not good at basketball. You shouldn't do that. You should, you should play soccer. Mm. And this guy has no authority, nothing, just some random person making this random statement. And then people lock that into their identity and they will live that Mm -hmm. for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So I think this concept of having a fluid identity needs to be taught. Don't ever get stuck in any way of thinking no matter how true you think it is be open you know as bruce lee was one of my favorite people on the planet he has a saying be like water water can crash water can flow water can fit into a cup be like water and i didn't know it at the time but he's talking about identity. Mm. Your identity needs to be fluid. Anytime that you come up and you say, I am this, I am this, or I am not this, or I will never do this, blah, 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 blah. Those are all identity defining statements. Mm -hmm. So just be really careful of using the word always, never, I am X because those all define who you are as an identity. And just like we were talking about earlier, when people go down a path, even though it's the wrong path, they will keep going because they want to maintain their identity of not being wrong. Mm. You need to be able to be fluid. That is so beautiful. Probably one of the, best advice I ever heard. This is, wow. So thank you, Deepak. That is very thoughtful and really beautiful. And I'm curious, Deepak, today, what inspired you? What drives you today? And what legacy you want to leave behind? So I think what drives me today is seeing uh, seeing my kids succeed. Selfishly, I want to see them succeed. And I want to put them in the absolute best position to do that. Mm -hmm. So the things that I do today are to help further that mission. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just a a parental thing or what, and I'm sure every parent has some form of this in them that they want to see their kids succeed. Mm -hmm. But I'm putting myself into positions to where normal people wouldn't do to help them succeed. Like, for example, today, we enrolled them into a different type of school, which is entrepreneurial and technology-driven, that is 45 minutes away from where we live. Mm-hmm. So that's a, you know, something that you know, is going to stretch me and my wife to figure out how to drive 45 minutes, take them to school, pick them up because they can't drive. There's no bus that goes there. But 
as I said earlier, I value education mm-hmm. massively. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, if we're going to invest in our kids' education, why wait until college to spend mm-hmm. money on education? Why not start that process now? Mm-hmm. Because this is when who they are gets shaped. Mm-hmm. Is when you're a kid. Who you were as a kid is how you turned out as an adult. All the experiences mm-hmm. that you have lead into who you become. Mm-hmm. So why not give them that opportunity now? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to sacrifice now for them mm-hmm. because they are my legacy. Wow. And I not only want to do that for my kids, but I want to do that for all kids. Like I want to shift education on its head mm. to, to teach them what's really important in life. What's really important in life? Life skills. It's not just about arithmetic. It's not just about language arts. It's not just about history. It's about being emotionally competent, emotionally fit. Mm-hmm. It's about being uh, in integrity. It's about financial independence. Mm-hmm. It's about the value of relationships, mm-hmm. the value of family. Mm-hmm. And these are things that are kind of touched on in school, mm-hmm. but I would argue that they're the most important things in life mm-hmm. and they need more focus. My last question for you is, what is one single or more piece of advice that you want to share with other entrepreneurs, maybe who just like you, maybe just in the beginning of the process, maybe right now in the middle of going back and forth, maybe is in the midst of, you know, figure out how to scale. What would you tell her or him right now while watching you? I would ask a question. Mm-hmm. And the question would be, what are you prepared to sacrifice to get what you really want? You can have almost anything in this world if you are willing to sacrifice. So that's the question. What are you willing to sacrifice? Is it your time? Is it your money? Is it? Like, what is it? Because you can gain the skills to do almost anything. You have access to every, like almost every bit of information on the planet at your fingertips mm-hmm. 24-7. Mm-hmm. So it's not a resource problem. You have access to it. But what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice Netflix? Mm. Are you willing to sacrifice going downtown five nights a week? Mm-hmm. What are you willing to sacrifice to get what you want? Because at the end of the day, if you ask yourself this question, here's another question is, why haven't I already gotten what I want truly? Why haven't I achieved what I want to achieve? What, what really is holding me back? 
-hmm. And if you're honest with yourself, you're going to identify some gaps. And those are the things that you want to go and crush. You want to remedy that. You want to learn about it. You want to study it. You want to find a role model. Mm -hmm. But truly ask yourself those questions because those are the things that are holding you back. Because you have the knowledge, or at least you have access to the knowledge. Mm -hmm. But are you willing to sacrifice the time, the effort, the energy that it's going to take to get to your goal. So beautiful. I love, I love what you said. It's not what I expected, but in the most beautiful way can, I can you ever imagine. It's about making a conscious choice. It's about looking at yourself, looking at where you are and truthfully, authentically looking at the gap and seeing how could you really remedy that, which is so beautiful. And once again, Deepak, I want to say thank you. This is such a powerful and beautiful conversation. I love that you're not only a, such a successful entrepreneur, successful, just the dad, a husband, uh, uh, all the things all around, but you're just so heart-centered, so grounded, and just so truthful and so such a beautiful human being. So I am just so honored uh, for you taking the time to share your beautiful wisdoms. And I hope everybody who is staying tuned today and also enjoy as much as I did. And thank you everybody again for tuning in. I really appreciate every single one of you. I will see you all next week. Bye everybody. See ya.